You're listening to the latest dose of Bipolar Recorder. This podcast may cause dizziness and blurred vision. Enjoy. Welcome back to Bipolar Recorder. My name is Hunter Keegan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Rowan Hart, who you may remember from a previous episode about bipolar relationships, came back on the show, and we talked about the importance of peer support groups, and in particular, a recent peer support group that Rowan started hosting herself on Twitter Spaces. It was a great conversation, and we cover a lot of ground. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get right in. Rowan is here again. Hello, Rowan. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, So for the audience who perhaps didn't listen to the previous episode you were on, would you like to just reintroduce yourself really quickly and tell people a little bit about maybe your diagnosis and then also just who you are? Sure. Uh, My name is Rowan Hart. Um, I am a person. And um, my diagnoses uh, are um, uh, bipolar one, uh, rapid cycling. Um, I have OCD, I have generalized anxiety disorder, I have ADHD, and I have CPTSD. Yeah, wow. And in terms of your like creative output and your different projects that you work on, what, what is, um, what's going on with that these days? Are you working on anything new? Um, I gotta say, uh, because the ADHD in my working memory, I don't even remember what I told you I was working on last time. So, um, <laughs> I, I think you had a, you had like a collection of poems you were working on, I think. Yes, I'm working on several collections of poems. I think they were called uh, Enneagram types. Enneagrams, yeah, yeah. I'm still working on that one. I'm a little over halfway done with it. I am hoping to finish it by the end of the month, but we'll see what happens. Can you explain more about what Enneagrams are? I've never heard of that before. And when you brought it up the first time, I was like, oh, that sounds cool. But like, what is that exactly? Is it like a personality type thing or? Yeah. So Enneagram is a personality type test, very similar to like the the Myers-Briggs type of personality test. Um, You can go take a free version of it, like not a sponsor online at like I think it's eclecticenergies.com or something like that if you google like Enneagram test free you know it'll come up um there's uh nine types um each type has a different like goal for their life essentially and then each type can have a wing um so you can wing to either number um on either side of the number that you are so like I'm a type two uh wing three uh but I could also be a type two wing one um but I'm a type two wing three, uh, just for the audience to <laughs> do something with that, I guess, if they want. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, so I, I am writing a love letter to each Enneagram. Um, and I just finished the one for type five, I think it was, or maybe six. Um, and then I have the, the last few to go. That's cool. Are you doing that as kind of like a therapy project or is this just something that you're interested in exploring? So, um, somebody that I'm close to sent me a, um, a link to the sleeping at last album called Enneagrams where they had written a song for each type. And I listened to the song for type two, cause that's my type. And I really loved it. Like I fell in love with it. And I was like, you know what? I want to, I want to create something like this. And my version of being able to do that is a love letter, um, or a poem. And, and I just kind of took it from there. I interviewed like 31 different people, um, mm. like straight up. And wow. Um, <laughs> Rowan just held up a book full of like highlighted craziness and all these different names and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I interviewed like 31 different people, um, asked them some base questions about like what they identified with, what the challenges are, asked them to give me some advice to their younger self as their type. Um, and I incorporated all of those things into the love letters that I've written so far. Um, and it's kind of, um, 
it's a project in sharing for me because I have a really hard time sharing the things that I write because uh, I just I'm my own worst critic and I never I never think they're good enough. Um, so it's a uh, it's a look into sharing for me. So I, I basically have in, <laughs> incorporated all of these people into this project. So I have to share it, you know, mm -hmm. when it's done. Um, and I'm trying to set the goal of by the end of December, but it might be closer to the end of January. We'll see what happens. And are you going to post these on like a blog or publish them or what's the, how will you share them? I am. I have a, I have like a, like a Tumblr website that I okay. have some writing stuff on and I'm probably going to post them there and then send a link out to all of the people who participated. We'll get a link. Um, and that way they can go read their love letter. And I'm inviting people to tell me what they think about it if they want. Um, if you want, also, you, you're welcome to go take your, your Enneagram tests and figure out what type you are and um, you go read oh, your man. love letter. I think my uh, Myers-Briggs personality type is INTJ, which I, I guess is one of the obscure ones. It's like, it, it, and it's like a weird one too. It's like um, mastermind. It's like something kind of devious sounding. I don't, I don't like it. That's almost the exact opposite for me, Hunter. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm an ENFP. ENFP. What, which, uh, which one is that? um the it's either champion Empath? or campaigner okay yeah it's either champion or campaigner i don't remember okay right on do you um do you feel like those um personality tests are accurate oh well i would not say that they're super scientifically psychologically founded um however i think that psycho like um personality tests are really good means for getting to know yourself better um, even if they're not 100% scientifically founded, um, because you you learn things about yourself when yeah. you take them, you 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 realize, oh yeah, this does fit me. Even if some of it's like really vague, it doesn't matter; it still fits you. Um, and I think that that could be a really important like learning tool about yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting because with um, like some personality tests are very much rooted in in science and there's a right. ton of research that relies on them like the MBTI even though there's a bunch of issues with the MBTI at the Myers-Briggs mm -hmm. um but like they they are still accepted commonly um even within like the scientific community or the academic yeah. community or whatever so I definitely think it's an interesting take and it's an interesting way to like learn to self-categorize in a way that like makes you comfortable. Like you're putting yourself in this box and like that makes it okay. Mm -hmm. um, and the people that I have spoken to said that they think that the Enneagram test is the most accurate like personality test that they've ever personally taken. Oh, cool. Um, so if you're into it, I totally recommend it. And I would love to hear what type you are. Yeah, I'll have to check that out after we're mm -hmm. done recording. That sounds I'll send you a cool. link. Yes, please do that. That okay. sounds awesome. Um, anything else new going on right now with you in your life, in your world? Um, I mean, uh, just personal things, you know, I got, <laughs> like I got a just new living your life. So, yeah. I got a new boyfriend. I might be getting a new job. So, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, we'll, we'll see what happens on, on those fronts. But, uh, but in terms of like things that I'm writing, I, I'm still writing most of the same stuff that I was writing previously, mostly because I haven't made, I haven't written hardly at all since I last spoke to you. <laughs> Oh man. Have you been feeling uh, stable lately? Have, has that been going? How's the, how's the bipolar going? <laughs> how's the bipolar going? How's That's the old question. bipolar going? Um, it's going pretty well. I, uh, I started a new medication, a new mood stabilizer a couple of months ago, about almost three months ago now. Um, and uh, it's called Vralar. And yeah, I take that too. Yeah. Yeah. No shit. I didn't realize. Straight up, son. <laughs> it's, uh, how much do you take? <laughs> um, I take three milligrams. I also take three milligrams. I was just curious. Um, yeah, I started yeah. at 1.5, moved up to three, and now I'm thinking about moving back down to 1.5, but my psychiatrist uh, wants me to stay on three for now. So. Yeah, I, I was on 1.5 as well. Um, and I was like completely stable, like no mood shift for like almost two straight months. And then I started having like little dips into either mood subset. And it would um it would only last like the day that I experienced the mood. 
and then um, it would be not to the same like intensity that it would normally be like it was a much lesser intensity and then um, I would go to sleep and wake up the next morning it's like a hard reset and then everything was fine mm-hmm. and I've never um, I've never been able to do that before uh, before the Braylar like you know normally my moods are I mean they last for quite some time um, yeah. but the Braylar has been helping a lot and because I was um, because I was dipping so much um, after a couple months, they moved me up to the three milligrams and it's been better so far. Raylar helped me a lot too, um, especially with anxiety and stuff. Like I, I felt like it helped reduce my anxiety and some of the intrusive thought pattern type shit. Um, and I've been on it for about um, over a year now, maybe going on like a year and a half. Uh, but I haven't had bad side effects from it. Uh, it's a, it's a good medication. It's new though. So it's expensive unless you oh, have uh, like coupons for it and stuff. Yeah. Or you get like special approval through your insurance or there, yeah. my doctor had to, had to a, do something weird in order for me to get approved for it. Yeah. I had to get a prior authorization. Yeah. Uh, this podcast brought to you by Vrelar. <laughs> Sponsor us. <laughs> Sponsor us, please. If we could go we are walking if, billboards. <laughs> if we just became like another mouthpiece for the pharmaceutical industrial complex, that would be absolutely wild. That would be disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would be pretty disappointed in myself if that happened. But if someone yeah. came to me and was like, hey, do you want $10 million? Like maybe I would be like, eh, I don't know. Like, I mean, big pharma is no joke, but a ten million dollars is nothing to fucking cough at. Like, I know. I wonder, like, what my price would really be. Like, if, if someone was really like, "Hey, um, you've got this podcast, and like, you just keep doing it, but like, we want you to start slipping in, like, you know, just like talk about your little Raylar day or whatever. Start slipping in little things here and there to promote their shit." to the point where the entire show just gets overtaken by that and it's just like an infomercial (laughs) like I wonder I really do wonder like how much money would that take (laughs) I mean probably several thousand several thousand yeah like 20 bucks now it would would have to be something (laughs) substantial couple hundred (laughs) no I I don't think I would ever pervert a format like this uh for for the sake of uh doing something like that uh I would I would have to I have to really uh do some do some serious thinking uh, but fuck man um all right well let's uh let's move on to peer support groups because okay. we talked a little bit about peer support groups the last time you were on and we talked about how great they were and not too long after we had that conversation initially was that around the time you started doing these uh, Twitter space peer support groups? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was like right um, around the same time, right? Yeah, I think I started it like um, late September-ish. And like, what made you decide to do that? Like, what? where did the idea come from to start doing peer support group check-ins on, on Twitter, on social media? So I was a part of an organization um where I was on the board and I I was tasked like my role on the board was to create a peer support group so I put in all of the legwork to um create like some bylaws and some guidelines and um some like a sign up page and everything through like google um what is it called uh google Google docs google Google forms Forms. Yeah. yeah 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 Um, I was like, Google Sheets, that's not right. Um, (laughs) Google Forms. And um, I ended up not taking it anywhere uh, with that organization just because like, like we all got, you know, mentally ill. (laughs) Okay. And I, uh, I took a step back from the organization and I um, was just deciding with uh, this person that I've been working with that, um, you know, we should, we should just do this. We should just Spaces is a new thing. It's a format that we think is really cool. Let's see what we can do about creating community and creating a space for people to feel safe and talk about their mental health. That's so awesome. And Twitter Spaces, for people who aren't aware of it, it's basically, um, it's like a public audio chat room, basically, where anyone can join in them. 
um, on Twitter and have actual audio conversations with other Twitter users. And so it's like people, a really big conference call. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's probably the easiest way to put it. And they're, they exist for all sorts of different reasons. People use them for like casual conversation. Uh, there's ones for like sports or news or whatever. Um, but the mental health community on Twitter has also been kind of using them for like peer support check-ins like the one Rowan is doing. And the spaces have been really helpful for a lot of people. Um, do you do you feel like you've helped people doing these spaces or do you feel like you've just created a, a venue for people to kind of come together? How do you look at it? Um, that's a really interesting question in juxtaposition to my own mental health and my own like personality um, because I have ADHD, uh, which is characterized by um, generally an inability to feel as though you are doing enough. Um, it is characterized largely by um, the inability to understand just how much you have done um, when you have done a, a crap ton um, and just never feeling like what you've done is good enough. And so that in mind with the question that you just asked me, do I think that I've helped people? I don't know. I, I, I hope that I have, um, but I think that I've largely just created a venue for people to come through and, and, and bear what's on their mind. Um, I am doing it right now through Twitter spaces because uh, that's just the easiest format. Um, I'm thinking though I might, because um, I already wrote up all of like the bylaws and the guidelines and the sign up page and everything. Um, I'm thinking I might actually take it into like a, a potential like a Zoom format um, as well. Uh, we'll see, we'll see where that goes. Cause I don't have a, I don't have like a Zoom premium or whatever it is. So it would be like a cut, it would be like a 40 minute thing or whatever. And then it would cut me off. Um, but uh, it's something that I'm tossing around the idea about. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Zoom could be a good idea. You can get the licenses for them and they're not like super cheap, but they're also not like outrageously expensive. It depends on how many people who you want to limit the call to. Like you can get like one plan for like 10 people and then the next level is like 50 and then the next level is like right. 500 and so on and so on. Well, and and the great thing about spaces, the way that we're like the way that I'm doing it right now is that there's no set amount of people that have to come in. So um, normally I have about 20 to 30 people that come in and speak in a session um, that lasts anywhere from like one to three hours usually. Um, sometimes they go longer than that, uh, but usually somewhere between one to three hours. We have like 20 to 30 people that speak um, and another probably 20 or so that just listen. Um, like so at some point, you know, popping in throughout the um, throughout the space as a whole, um, and taking it to Zoom would be interesting because I feel like we'd have more people come in and like stay in um, mm -hmm. because you know it's it's less of a oh I just saw this as like a one off thing and I'm gonna you know I'm actually gonna join yeah um, but I don't know how people would feel about like potentially having their camera on and uh, I don't want to put anybody on the spot. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, there's a organization called Smart Recovery, and they're oh yeah, a, yeah. And for people who don't know, it's a addiction recovery group. It's kind of, it's like an alternative to Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, and it's a really, really great tool um, if you're trying to um, get on that sober life or get on the harm reduction life. Uh, mm -hmm. But anyhow, the reason I brought it up is because. Smart Recovery has online meetings now, mm -hmm. and they are like really, really uh, large Zoom calls that I've been on a number of them. And you'll have, you know, sometimes 300 people listening in and uh, contributing. And it's like, it's really interesting because it's like, it seems like more people want to just sit and listen in the background. So there'll be like a vocal group of about 10 people and then you'll have like 200 others listening in. Um, just straight chilling. 
just straight chilling, just hanging out, listening, feeling supported, feeling like they're part of the community. It's really good. And um, I, I just brought up smart recovery because that's the one I have direct experience with. I know AA and NA do also obviously have a ton of virtual meetings going on right now. Mm-hmm. So just throwing out those resources for anyone who's listening who feels like they may need those tools in their toolkit. Um, but to get back to the uh, Twitter spaces, has, has running the group taught you anything? Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to, it, this is not what it taught me, but as, a, as an aside, um, <laughs> I want to go get um, my master's in counseling. And um, something that it's teaching me is how to listen and respond to people who are having issues, but not necessarily take their problems on and make them my own. Um, which is something that's going to be really important for me in the future, um, because I'm, I'm going to be doing that as like a profession. And um, it's important for me to not make other people's problems my own uh, when, when they have nothing to do with me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's such an important skill to learn. That's so hard. Like, where do you, where do you draw the line and cut it off? Like, how do you turn off that valve? Um, so that's complicated and I'm still, I'm still very much learning that. Um, but I think it becomes just a separation thing. So, um, you know how they say like, uh, you, you shouldn't like, you know, eat or hang out in your bed, um, you should only like, sleep and have sex in your bed because you're training your body to like do those activities when you're in your bed rather than like having like a pleasure activity or well, I mean, sex is a pleasure activity, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Having like a, like a, like a leisure activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, running the spaces right now is kind of a similar thing. Like I, I do it in like one location usually um, so that it's like separate from like it's like a work location. It's like at my desk, you know? So it's, it's separate from like my, my casual, like relaxing spaces. Um, and I think that that separation helps. And I think just the separation of being like, you know, okay, this, this is over now. This was really heavy. I need to talk about how I feel to somebody, um, just so I can like lift off some of the weight. Um, and like, you know, I have really good friends. I have a boyfriend, you know, a good support system of people who will just listen to me. And I'm not like, I'm not sharing anybody's like problems or anything like that. Um, that have come to me, I'll just be like, oh yeah, it was just a really heavy session. I just want to talk about like my own feelings for a second. And then um, I do that check-in with, with somebody, um, whoever's available. And that also helps take the weight off of it a little bit. That's great. It's good that you have those uh, ways of compensating or maybe even kind of compartmentalizing a little bit. Well, the, the sessions get really heavy. Um, We have a lot of people that come in and we'll talk about like, you know, suicide and things like that. And it's, you know, if you don't have that separation, it's really hard, you know? Mm. Absolutely. Well, I think you and your co-host have definitely helped a lot of people through that uh, peer support group. Uh, What's so for people who are curious and checking it out, uh, what is it called and when do you do them? And what, what does the future, how about that? What does the future of these groups look like, Rowan? That's a great question. Um, we are undergoing some changes. Um, normally, um, it's called, um, Megan and Rowan's casual mental health chat. Um, you can find us um, has like peer support in parentheses. Um, and normally we do them uh, Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern and uh, Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. Um, however, uh, there's a lot happening in the background right now. Um, and um, I think that it's probably going to get cut down to one time a week instead of two. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I know that a lot of people look forward to that. And I, I love that. And I, I want people to have that, but I also have to take care of myself. And um, with the way that my life is currently, I don't know that I can commit like hundred percent of my time to somebody else a couple of times a week where mm-hmm. I have to be like fully present for other people because I don't want to give 
I don't want to give the group like half of myself. Um, so I'm thinking about changing the time that we do it to Wednesdays at like seven Eastern maybe. Um, <laughs> but I haven't hundred percent decided yet. I'm going to work on that this week and I will put out a promo maybe this weekend. Yeah. And that can be found on Twitter. So um, wh- what's your uh, Twitter handle where people can go and find the information for this if they want to cho- uh, choose to join the spaces and get the updates on whatever you decide in terms of the scheduling? Sure. My, uh, my Twitter handle is at Manic Dream Girl and girl has two R's. Um, and uh, yeah, you can find all the information there. Um, all the, the current information is what's on my page right now. And I'm going to go through and try and overhaul that sometime in the next week and hopefully get an update out by next weekend. Awesome. And I'll put that in the episode description too, so people can check that out. Um, Really cool stuff. Seriously, I I really like what you're doing. I've joined in on those um, spaces a few times, and I, I think that you do a really good job of kind of facilitating conversations and having like actual dialogue between people. And it's really cool and it's really healthy and, and people really do get a ton out of it. Um, I know that one of the common things I hear people say uh, in those spaces is that they didn't realize that there were communities online that existed like that and that they yeah. feel like they finally found this community and this support system that they didn't know was there before. And I think that's really beautiful. And thank you, by the way, for saying that. that that's very sweet of you about me. Um, and uh, I would like to say, too, that there is no way that, that this would be possible without people like you coming in and having the dialogue with other people. Like, that is hugely impactful, and I'm very grateful for it. Um, but you're right. Like, um, community is so important, like, just in general, full, full stop. A community of anything for, for any of your interests is important, but especially when it comes to health and especially when it comes to mental health, um, it's, it's important to know that you're not alone and, and to have other people out here out there who like can identify with what is going on with you. And if they don't know exactly what's going on with you, they have some kind of tangential um, relationship to what's happening. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, to shift gears a little bit, I, I do have some other more general questions for you that I thought would be interesting to discuss while I've got you on the line. Um, I wanted to ask, so this, this is a weird thing. Why, why don't I frame it like this? This happened to me recently, and I wanted to ask if it's ever happened to you. Sure. Um, a few weeks ago, I had changed some medications, and I had been having some mood fluctuations, and a few days passed by and I kind of, I didn't recognize it at first, but I started noticing, you know, like, oh, there's a bunch of like dirty clothes just kind of piling up in my room. And like, I haven't done the dishes in like a week. And like, I feel extremely tired and like, I'm not sleeping well. And it like, I had these things going on and then like after a few days in a row of this happening, I was it like hit me and I was like, oh wait, like I think I might be in a depression. Like I think <laughs> like I think I just had this depressed episode creep up on me and like I didn't even realize it at first. Have you ever had an experience like that where it's almost happening like subconsciously? Yeah, totally. Um that that's oh yeah that's very common I will say though that I am very in tune with my own sadness (laughs) oh my god that sounds so depressing (laughs) doesn't it though um but it's it's actually very helpful um I have what I like to call sad girl hours and um uh, effectively what that means is I understand when I am I am dipping into a depressive episode because um late at night I will go into sad girl hours where everything just affects me so much more strongly than it otherwise would. So like somebody will say something to me and it will just hurt my feelings. It will just devastate me. And I don't, I don't know why, like, like it just comes out of like nowhere. Oh, um, no. But, but it, it definitely, um, what happens because I, I have um, multiple mental illnesses and I've had different Um, So what happens, I think, is that um, as the night stretches on, because the moon can be a cruel mistress, um, 
I go into sad girl hours because of um, my brain's inability to keep up with itself a little bit as it gets more tired from the day. And I think also it has to do with um, how, um, how I grew up if that makes sense, um, because I grew up in a very uh, toxic environment and I had to walk on eggshells and I had to take on other people's emotions. I had to learn like the nuances for when people are upset. And so when I am in sad girl hours, I am incredibly in tune with all of the nuances. Even if there are things that aren't necessarily happening because somebody is upset, I'm still latching onto it and pretending like they're upset. And uh, like, I'm hurting my own feelings. And, and that's how I know I'm going into a depressive episode. I, hurt, I start hurting my own feelings um, because I, 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 I start getting upset about situations that have not even been presented to me as problems. So are we talking like negative self-talk? Like, like you're thinking to yourself like, oh, I'm, I should have done this differently. Like I'm such a screw up or like. like... So it, it, it can come in that form, but generally it comes in the form of, oh, this person is mad at me. Oh, I upset this person. Oh, I annoyed this person. Oh, I was too much. You know, so yeah, mm. it's totally, it's totally negative self-talk, but it's usually centered around oh, another. Man, you know, this is so fucking crazy. Cause like, as you're <laughs> like, I, I think this was happening to me last night. <laughs> yeah. Um, you were having sad boy hours. <laughs> I was having sad boy hours. No. Oh my God. Um, that's so crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. I can relate to that on like such a level. I, um, <clears throat> Yeah. I, I've just never heard it really put that way before. But... I it, it makes me feel better to say sad girl hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> and 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 my boyfriend and I have an understanding that when like I'm starting to act weird, <laughs> I either he's gonna say it or I'm gonna say it. And one of us is gonna be like, I'm sad girl hours. <laughs> I, I had a conversation with someone a couple of days ago and I um walked away from it with an extremely negative interpretation of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I've been playing it over in my head over and over again for like the last three days. And it's been bothering me throughout the day. And then at night it gets to this point where it's like, I like, it's just hitting me in waves of like, Oh my God, like I totally fucked up. Like I should not have said that or like, they must think this. And it's just making all these crazy okay. assumptions and like getting Let caught me, in these thought loops and shit. It's crazy. Let me peer support you for a second. Okay. <laughs> Since we were talking about that earlier. Um, so if you went into this situation as kind as you could have gone into this situation, then the other person's reaction is solely their responsibility. It is not your responsibility. And one thing that you have to take away from situations like that is face value. So if they are upset and they are not telling you that they are upset, then that is not your problem. It is not your fault. Um, it is not your responsibility to read into whether or not they're upset. It is their responsibility to communicate that they are upset to you. And if they don't communicate that to you, then you have nothing to worry about. Yeah, it's like you can't, can't deal with it if it's not there, right? Yeah, yeah, you can't. Communication is, is everything. So you, you think just on principle, you should like not let that get you basically right yeah yeah like I said face value is a really big thing and it's a hard thing it's a thing I I learned after several years of therapy and I still am not like a hundred percent you know all of the time with it um but I I try to implement it with people that I'm close with especially so like people I'm dating or people I'm really like close friends with I'll, I'll just I'll just look at them and be like face value and they'll repeat it back to me and I'm like okay <laughs> then we, okay you know we're on the same page we're cool because that helps just with my generalized anxiety disorder um, but in general, yeah, you, you can't, you can't take on the responsibility of somebody else's feelings. Like that's codependency and that's just not healthy. Yeah. I, I think what I'm talking about is a bit more like, I agree with everything you just said, by the way, but I think what, <laughs> I think what I'm talking about is more like I had this conversation and then I started playing it back over in my head so many times where the original interaction got distorted and it's turned mm -hmm. into its own 
sad boy thing where now it's got me up late at night and I'm just trying to like chill and go to bed and I'm Wait, still like you're hurting dealing your own with, feelings yeah I'm hurting my own feelings <laughs> I get that I that's that's the sad girl hours I understand oh my god man it sucks uh, yeah it's mental illness is bullshit Oh my God. Okay. Well, um, that is definitely a way to, to tell that you're starting to get depressed for me. Um, I guess, I guess I just realized now in real time that <laughs> I, I need to watch out for sad boy hours, but then also <laughs> I've noticed that sleep disruptions are a telltale sign for me. Uh, if I'm sleep, if I'm suddenly sleeping like two or three hours a night and you know, that kind of thing can be a, a really big red flag and then also not eating um is another big one for me do you have any other red flags that you watch out for if you feel depression coming on um i also get um really lethargic um i get really sluggish i get really tired um i don't have <clears throat> any sign of like food disturbance because I have I have such disordered eating already with mm. my ADHD and everything um that food is a very complicated thing for me and so I don't I don't put any stock into it when it comes to like my mental health um in terms of like my eating habits being a like a tell or a sign about my mental health um because they're they're already so wonky um but yeah, I, I sometimes will get, you know, sleep disturbances, even though I take a sedative, which, you know, if I, if everything is, you know, smooth like butter, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be having, like waking up every like 30 minutes or something on the sedative. Um, and uh, definitely just the, the lethargy. Yeah. Do you have self-care strategies that work well for you, either for depression or for mania? Sure. Um, I like to tell people that my favorite hobby is socializing, um, which is 100% the truth. And I know that makes me sound like a, you know, 1950s, like, housewife, <laughs> like, <laughs> bringing, like, a pie to the PTA meeting. But, like, <laughs> but, like I, I genuinely love, I am a socialite in mm -hmm. the, you know, poorest sense of, <laughs> of the word like okay. not a high society socialite I am a poor man socialite um but I just <laughs> I just I just love connecting with other people so things that I do for self-care for me often involve other people so like I'll spend time with people that I care about like my um, partners or my uh friends or I will make time to do something for someone else like that always makes me feel better because I'm, I'm, I'm very much a helper uh, type of person. Um, so I'll make time to go out of my way to do something for someone else, or um, I might volunteer for an organization. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I love, I love things that connect me to other people. I might even open like a mental health space and like have that be something that I'm putting my energy into because it's, it's more, um, therapeutic and helpful to do that than to just like sit and stew in whatever emotion I'm feeling mm -hmm. um, so yeah I just I love connecting with other humans that's awesome, that's awesome. Yeah, that's do, my you find, one. do you find that that's helpful for depression or for mania or for both definitely more so for depression yeah um, it kind of I'm an extrovert and I'm outgoing so it kind of fuels my mania a little bit I think um, yeah <laughs> just because I I love people and I love talking <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and things like that so I, I feel like it fuels my mania a little bit but it definitely is super helpful for um, my depression for my mania I do I gotta go do something I gotta do like an activity or I gotta make some art um, something I get like the zoomies in my body and mm -hmm. I need to like physically go do something in order to get my energy out yeah, that's a really, really good one for mania because as like when I think of self-care strategies for me, most of them pertain to self-care strategies for depression. Um, right. And it's usually for me, it's usually stuff like aromatherapy or meditation, mm -hmm. um, sleep hygiene type stuff. Mm -hmm. um, for people who don't know what sleep hygiene is, basically it means it's kind of like what Rowan was talking about earlier with like the bedroom is for sleep and for sex and that's it and you don't 
basically, um, you don't put anything else in there. You, you don't put anything else in there. You go in there, you sleep, you go to sleep at the same time mm-hmm. or more or less every night. And you try wake to, up at the same time. Yeah. You no, try to no regulate it. Time. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. So yeah. Like sleep hygiene, aromatherapy, art, music therapy is huge for me. Um, yeah. I, I think music therapy could also be really good for mania too. Like just mm-hmm. to like get it out there and kind of like, you know, let off some steam or whatever. I Seems found... like a very... Sorry, oh, sorry. No, 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 you're fine. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say, I found too that just like you mentioned sleep hygiene, which just reminded me of like regular hygiene, just fucking hygiene in general, um, <laughs> is a huge thing when it comes to my mental health. So like, I, you know, when you're a depressed fuck, you're, you're so much less likely to go take a shower um, because everything is terrible. And like in this menial existence, why would you shower? Um, <laughs> but like, um, I found that if I'm like super depressed, if I can force myself to like wash my sheets or go take a shower or both, if I could do both, oh my God, you know, go to bed in a clean bed, my hair is clean. And like, I always just feel better. I feel better if I like take a shower. I feel better if I like have clean bedding. I feel better if I like dye my hair. Um, That's a very common mentally ill issue. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'll I'll color my hair or I'll get a new piercing. Um, And those are things that I do for my mental health. How often do you change your hair color? Because right now it's like this dope shade. It's like an emerald green. I have not seen that color in a long time. Like, how often do you change your, your hair? I have to ask you. So I don't usually. I I try to use the same color green for most of the time uh, okay. that I dye my hair. I, I keep it green. I, I cycle through a couple of different shades of green. Um, the last time you saw me, it was a darker green, I think. Um, but that was just because I was trying to save my hair from being bleached again. Because <laughs> mm. um, to get the vibrant green, I have to bleach it. Um, and uh, I was trying to like give my hair a break um, because I think my medication is making my hair fall out a little bit. It's fine. We don't have to talk about it. I'm a little distraught. It's okay. Oh. Um, yes. And I don't know. I thought, see, I thought it was the Abilify. And then I stopped taking the Abilify months ago. And it's falling out so wow. i'm in denial about it really <laughs> well maybe it's like stress or something because you do you want to talk by the way do you want to talk about what you do for your day job at all um i can if you'd like yeah yeah because i think that would be really helpful for the audience to kind of learn a little bit more about you and kind of like the perspective you come from when it comes to like mental health and education and, and things like sure. that yeah currently i am a kindergarten and first grade special education teacher Um, I work in a school where all of my kiddos are um, foster kids who have significant trauma and they're all behavioral kids, um, which means they all exhibit significant behaviors um, that are atypical of uh, the gen pop uh, child or the general special education population children. Um, uh, They have behaviors on top of that. Um, So uh, I work with um, a lot of different types of kids. Um, I work with uh, kids with autism. I work with kids with ADHD. <laughs> Whoa, what was that? <laughs> Sorry, that um, that was my alarm to remind me to take my medicine. <laughs> um, it says, look, you got to get to bed. <laughs> and it's because I take a sedative at night um, and I forget to turn it off. Um, no worries. But um, but yeah, I work with kids with autism, I work with kids with ADHD, um, I work with kids uh, who have like ODD or, you know, the... Um, the Wait, the what, is, what is ODD? Um, I think it's Oppositional Defiancy Disorder. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also work with kids who have like the, um, like, the baby equivalent of uh, bipolar disorder. Um, mm. You can't diagnose, you know, children with bipolar disorder, but it's an emotional regulation disorder. Um, and, uh, yeah, so lots of different diagnoses. Um, I only oversee five children currently, like in my current classroom. Um, but the five of them have a slew of, (laughs) of disorders among them. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I come at that, uh, for my job and I want to go do counseling as a master's in counseling, um, for my, my, my new job down the line. Um, and I have 
uh, I might be switching to a, a new job in the meantime where I'm working with um, mentally and uh, physically disabled adults. Very interesting stuff. Very, very important work to be doing. I think that's amazing. Um, wanted to ask you, so speaking of counseling, what qualities do you think make a good therapist? That's a good question. Um, active listening. Um, you, you have to know that they are, they are actively hearing what you are saying and they are doing something with that information. Um, that's, that's really key. Um, because if you have a therapist that doesn't like respond to you well, or who you feel like is not doing anything, you're going to think that you're not getting the right experience. Um, which is, which is true. You're not, you're not getting the right experience to find a new therapist. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely active listening. I think that empathy is really big, um, because you need to have somebody who can understand why you are doing what you are doing and what you're going through, even if they haven't gone through this situation themselves. Um, because you know, all your therapists are going to have different walks of life. Um, um, those are the, those are the big ones that I think that every therapist needs to have. Um, and then there are just little like nuances. Um, obviously if you are a queer person, you might want to see a queer therapist, um, or a person who is very queer adjacent, um, in terms of like, you know, they probably have a lot of people in their life who are queer. Um, if you are somebody who's seeking out, like if you're like a youth, um, you might seek out somebody who specifically, um, deals with like children's counseling. Um, because like the way you counsel adults and the way you counsel children are different. Um, so it really, it really depends on kind of what you're looking for in your personality, but I think active listening and empathy are like the really big heavy hitters. Yeah, those are huge for sure. Do you have like a therapist horror story, like just like a really awful therapist who you've worked with in the past who you're like, I would never want to be like that therapist? I, I don't, thankfully. Okay, good for I, you. I have had four different therapists, um, which is not a whole lot, um, but every therapist that I have had has been pretty good to me. Um, like they, they have been helpful. I have learned things. I have, I have taught myself things. Um, there, I, I could totally rank them for you. Like I, I know like where they lie, um, but, um, but I, I have been fortunate that I have not had any therapist that has um, belittled me or um, spoken to me in a way that was like unacceptable. I, I have not had any um, therapist who, um, you know, told me that, you know, my problems didn't matter or that, you know, I should get over it or anything like that. Um, I have had some less than stellar psychs. Um, Psychiatrists. Who, yes. Yes. Um, who, uh, sorry, I didn't clarify um, who, uh, didn't like listen to me, um, mm -hmm. in what like my side effects were and things like that. Um, so, so yeah, I've had, I've had more psychiatrist problems than I have psychologists or therapist problems. Um, but even my psychiatrist problems have not been like super huge. I've, I've heard so many nightmare stories, um, from other people that like, I, I consider myself fortunate. Having a doctor, a psychiatrist who doesn't listen to you is always just the most frustrating thing. Mm -hmm. um, I have worked with probably about four therapists over the last few years too. And um, they, uh, they've been, some, some have been great. Some have been not great at all. Um, uh, just to offer an example of a therapist who I've worked with uh, who was not good spent about two years working with this woman. Uh, she was a PsyD, meaning she has a, she's a uh, doctorate degree in psychology. So she's supposed to be like really qualified, right? Um, <laughs> that, that, that tone tells me she was not. <laughs> as it turns out, she wasn't. Um, she was so bad. I, I just felt like every session I would be sitting in there talking at a wall and just like venting, 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 and then paying her just to sit there and talk at her. Like it wasn't a conversation. It wasn't a dialogue. She didn't give mm -hmm. me feedback or actual counseling. It was just like, it, it was just like basically me rambling for an hour. 
And she was disrespectful to me too. I, I told her something once and she called me a moron. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, how what? dare you? Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, and I can't even remember what the final straw was. Um, I, oh, I'll say another, uh, another thing that really bothers me that I've observed multiple times in therapy is when the therapist is like eating food during the session that really really bothers me you know they're not giving you their full attention at that point yeah it's like if you need lunch go take a lunch break i can't and then if they ask you do you mind if i eat you feel like a dick if you say yes so (laughs) whatever man the ethics of it involved are just you know uh whatever yeah so anyway um luckily right now i'm working with a very good therapist super happy with her good rapport definitely a good rapport which is what what it's all about all right well is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we wrapped up those are the questions that i had for you today but um is there anything else that's on your mind before we go um Nothing in particular, just that I'm making adjustments to the peer support thing. I'm going to figure out what kind of format, whether it's Spaces or Zoom or something, um, would be better. I'm going to figure out, um, I'm going to nail down probably a probably a Wednesday, I'm not going to lie, um, time slot. And if not, I will try and do some polling um, on my Twitter page and figure out like what um, works best for most people. Um, because obviously I want the bulk of people that can get something out of it to be able to get something out of it. Um, so if you're interested in that, just look out for, for that in the coming like week. Yep. And that's at manic dream girl, girl with two R's on Twitter, right? Yeah. You can find me, um, at, on, on every social media site at either manic depressive dream girl two hours or at manic dream girl two hours um, nice. yeah so like you could find me and follow me on whatever sounds like a plan all right well i hope the audience checks that out and thank you as always for joining me yeah it's always nice to talk to you hunter all right thanks so much That's a wrap. Our guest today was Rowan Hart. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. We had a lot of fun recording it. And as always, I just wanted to say thank you for joining us. Bipolar Recorder is on Twitter at Bipolar Recorder. I am on Twitter at HH Keegan. Please check out the episode description for Rowan's information so you can find her as well and maybe even join in on some of her peer support spaces. If you've been enjoying the show, be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and to tell a friend about it so we can keep getting the word out. That's it for now. I hope you have a fantastic day, evening, or night. Do not forget to take your meds. Polar Recorder is a listener-supported show. To help keep the show running, consider checking out our Patreon page or visiting BipolarRecorder.com. Unless otherwise stated, the hosts and guests on Bipolar Recorder are not licensed mental health professionals. Bipolar Recorder is not a substitute for therapy or professional medical intervention. If you are having a mental health crisis, please contact your local emergency services.